Coming to you live from Cape Town, South Africa. This is Gray, and this is the Gray of Podcast. This is a show for Type A personalities. And today we have another exciting guest, as usual, by the name of Susan Bennett. Susan is the real person behind the original voice of Siri. You know Siri, an intelligent voiceover assistant on Apple devices, whether it's iOS or Mac OS. So whether you're using an Apple laptop, iPhone, blah, 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 you definitely have Siri and you probably have used it. Siri, how many meetings do I have for next week? Okay, great. I found 10 meetings for the next week. So yeah, Susan is known for that project being the original voice of Siri. And besides that, she's done other things since she's a voiceover artist. She has worked with Coca-Cola, Discovery Channel, McDonald's, Delta Airlines, USA Today, Cartoon Network, among other brands. And with that, uh, let's jump into this. Just remember to subscribe to the Grave Podcast. Uh, you can do it through my website, which is G-R-E-Y-J-A-B-E-S-I. Com. That's greatjabesi.com. You can also do it on SoundCloud, do a repost over there, on iTunes, on your podcast app, on TuneIn. Man, we're all over the place. You know, you just do what works for you without wasting your time. Let's jump into this podcast with Susan. So before we get into anything else, maybe uh, just confirm that you're serious because nobody can see you as this is an audio podcast only. All right. Uh, hello there. I am Susan Bennett. I am the original voice of Siri. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> how many times do you have to do that when you meet people on the on the streets? Well, because my speaking voice sounds so different from Siri, no one really, you know, I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, very rarely. I think only two people uh, have recognized my voice um, since you know, Siri first appeared, and that's been about five years ago, I think. Yeah, 2011. Um, and uh, one of them, I, I mean, I did, one was a waiter who just said, I, I recognize your voice, are you Siri? And another one was a banker. And I told that banker, I said, you're in the wrong business. You need, <laughs> you need to be in audio somewhere with those ears. <laughs> right. So did they actually recognize the voice um, even we, without hearing you making it an, an, the Siri accent? No. Right. Yes, they did. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's why I was saying they, they had really good ears because there is a very big difference. I kind of speak up here. Siri speaks down there. Right. So... It, there's a pretty big difference. Plus, you know, add in all of the compression and uh, you know, whatever else they did to the voice to make it, you know, sound uh, unique. Right. So let's uh, get back from the beginning. I'm curious, uh, as much as everyone else listening right now, are curious to how the whole... I think, first of all, how did you get started into the voice over industry? Well, it happened pretty much by accident. It's going to be tough for a lot of your audience to understand where I'm coming from because, um, you know, I'm decades older than most of them, I think. And so constantly trying to imagine a world that did not involve computers um, is a tough thing to imagine. But that's the way it was. I used to do a lot of jingle singing uh, for radio and TV commercials. And um, one day, the voice actor didn't show up to read the, the donut of the spot, you know, the, the the uh, spoken portion of the spot. So the owner of the studio said, 
Susan, you don't have an accent. Come over here and read this spot. And I thought, I went, oh, ding, ding, ding. I can do that. <laughs> and um, and so I got a voice coach and um, an, a talent agent and started working. And that's been uh, decades ago. It's been a long time ago. So I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> right. But before that moment, what, what were you doing then? Singing. Oh, yeah, right. I was singing. Yes, I was singing. I sang jingles, and I was I sang live, and yeah, sang backup vocals, all kinds of things. All right, great. I sang backup vocals for um, Burt Backrack and Roy Orbison, and in a lot of different uh, radio and TV commercials. And, what and if you don't, if you don't know who those guys are, you need to look them up. Oh, the Beatles okay. used to open for Roy Orbison, and Burt Backrack is still with us. He was just. Um, honored last year for his body of work he's uh, um, probably the last chance you would have seen it uh, would have seen him um, in context for a, for a younger audience is uh, in the Austin Powers movies uh, Mike Myers used to make a big deal out of Burt Packer but um, he, he wrote tons and tons and tons of music so great <laughs> So w one thing that I'm also curious about is what were you envisioning your future as a musician back then? Like, what did you think it would be? What were you trying to achieve and things like that? Well, like most freelancers, I was just trying to work, you know, uh, when you're a freelancer. You know, of course, I, you know, I think when I was very young, I probably thought, oh, I'm going to be famous and, you know, make a lot of money and all that stuff. And then uh, reality shows up. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, I was I was just trying to do every every bit of work that I could do. So I used to work in the studio. I were used to work, you know, uh, singing and playing out, um, singing backup vocals for people. So a little bit of everything. And I hadn't really envisioned a career in voiceover, and I certainly hadn't envisioned, you know, becoming something like Siri. That was, you know, absolutely not in my uh, in my plan or even in my imagination. Right, and then. When when it happened, did you thought that this was gonna be big? Or let's get it. When did you actually know that? Okay, I'm doing something uh, that will probably change the world or change how uh, can Cat Nation, you know, work or you know something that will go on a larger scale. Did you know that? No. Uh, and I have been in touch with some of the other original theory voices, and we all had the same experience. We kind of. This, the recordings were done at a time that we could not, you know, not being uh, techie, you know, um, maestros, uh, we really didn't have any idea how this was going to be going to be used. And when we were doing the recordings, we were it was sort of intimated that we would, were just doing stuff for phone systems. And so the reason it didn't send up any red flags at that point is that type of voicing. When you're doing, you know, messaging or you know any stuff like that, unless you have a very extremely uh, distinctive voice for some reason, or you're a celebrity, of course, people are going to recognize your voice. But if you're doing that type of messaging, most people don't even pay attention to your voice because when they hear your voice, they're listening for the information that you're disseminating. So they're, you know, you, you say, thank you for calling such and such, please press one. So they're listening for what number they need to press to get the person or the information that they need. They're not paying attention to the voice. So therefore we could remain quite anonymous. Now when suddenly that little, you know, messaging voice turns into something like Siri, a persona, you know, a character that people think of as human 
and interact with, you know, as if she were human. That that changes the ball game a lot, which is why it took me a very long time to reveal myself as the voice, because I knew it was going to impact my career in some way, and I wasn't sure whether that was going to be positive or negative. So it took me a long, long time to decide. Right, and um, back then, where you were doing this, where did you had a number of cast that were casted for the voice, or it was just you? And how did you get involved with the whole project? I don't know. I worked through a company that I did a lot of messaging for, and these new scripts came up, and you know we had to sign papers and stuff, and uh, it was explained to us, oh, well, they're just going to use your voice in, you know, for phone systems and stuff, and uh, and so I don't think it, at that point, even the company, the local company that I was working through at that time, I don't think they even knew where this thing was going, uh, but of course the people who had been working on Siri and other uh, type of virtual assistants had been working on this for many, many, many years. Um, and the, I think the reason that Siri became such a big deal is because she was the first. She was the first, you know, uh, digital voice that, uh, concatenated voice that sounded human and you could interact with her. And that's why she became such a big deal and, and people still, um, you know, are thrilled about Siri these days. Right. And then um, one thing that I, I really am really fascinated to know is based on how Siri is, based on how it sounds, I think that it's, you know, those phrases that she, or sentences that she says are not really recorded as they're said. I think they're combined together, like technically to, to make it, to make a sentence together. So when you, when you were recording that, did you sort of sense that, okay, this is kind of different? Did you question it once or, once or twice to kind of like, why do we have to do these things? What was so different about it? Well, uh, it was completely different because most of the sentences and phrases we were reading didn't really make sense because they were created solely to get all of the sound combinations in the language. So we would say, you know, phrases that would have words that would have different combinations of sounds. For instance, you know, crazy things like cow hoist in the tub hut today, um, militia oi hallucinate buckra okra ooze. And so you can hear a buckra okra ooze and they were just using, you know, combining all those different sounds to get all of the sounds uh, possible in the language so that afterwards technicians and computers would whatever sounds they were looking for, reform them into new phrases and sentences. And those are what became, um, you know, series responses on the... Right. Um, did it shock you when it came out and you knew that it was you? And how did you get the message? Yes, yes it freaked me out. Um, a friend of mine who is a fellow voice actor playing around with this new iPhone app, isn't this you? And I said, what? I had no idea. I went on the Apple site and listened and said, oh, my God, yes, that's me. And uh, obviously, uh, because of my surprise, I had no idea that I, my voice had been chosen. To this day, I have no idea how it was chosen or by whom. Um, I think that probably Steve Jobs had something to do with it because uh, he was very involved with the development of, Siri, of the Siri app. And it's so it's so sad, I think that he died the day before Siri appeared in, uh, you know, in October of 2011. It was either the day before or the day after Siri was introduced. So that was 
quite ironic, I think. Um, so I really don't know. The whole thing remains sort of an, a mystery because the original recordings were done for a text-to-speech company called Scansoft, which became Nuance. And Nuance is the biggest IVR company in the world, I think, at this point. And so Apple really came in after the fact. None of us worked for Apple, per se. We worked for Nuance, and Apple got our voices from Nuance. Right. And um, one of the things that I, I want to ask you technically on, on voice acting is that on opera you give, um, I think, an impression of what the previous concatenation sounded like, uh, which actually was accurate. Could you just give an impression of that, of what the previous ones before Siri sounded like, just to show people how Siri kind of changed um, the way oh, okay. this whole thing is done? Well, the original concatenated voices, you know, it's, it's pretty old at this point, but they were very robotic sounded, sounding, and it was uh, kind of unfriendly, and I think most of the voices were actually male. And you think, hello, how are you? I am fine, you know. And so to smooth that out and make it sound like a human voice is really pretty extraordinary. And you'll notice that if you're old enough to have had the original Siri and you hear the Siri voice now, um, she responds a lot quicker. Her, 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 the width is much more human. You can still hear little bumps here and there where, you know, a real human wouldn't speak with that type of rhythm or that type of pacing. Um, but it's just absolutely astounding how far they've come with that. Right. And did you ever work with Apple closely? No. No, I had nothing to do with Apple at all. Right. And when they, do they ever update it? Say, like, okay, we need maybe new sounds or new phrases, and then you have to uh, go and do it again? They, yes, they totally replaced all of the original Siri voices worldwide, uh, with the uh, starting with the OS 7 system. And we believe it's because we didn't have non-disclosure agreements with Apple, and we had been promoting ourselves as, you know, the voices of Siri. Um, and Apple is very, very adamant about having this all of this stuff be very secretive so they went and found voices that are very similar to the original voices and then I'm sure that these people you don't know who they are so I'm sure they are under a very strict non-disclosure agreement at this point so yes the voice is different it, it still sounds quite a bit like me but of course to me it doesn't sound anything like me but <laughs> <laughs> right so I know it's one thing like you say where voice actors um, or actresses are used to be behind the scenes nobody really knows even though we have heard them so many times but like we lose track on of the face who is behind it now when it came to Siri as the concept something that you never ex expected obviously or no voiceover artist would have said I want to be on the phone as a, a voice command helper what, what how did you react to the whole thing and like how has it shaped or changed your life in, in a certain way well, that's really hard to say. Um, it had no effect on my life that I know of until I revealed myself in 2013. And then when I put myself out there, it became a big deal. I did a lot of interviews, TV and radio interviews, and still do a lot of interviews uh, like this one. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and um, so it affected my life in the sense that, you know, uh, it sort of started a new branch of my career. Um, I do a lot of uh, Siri appearances and speaker events, 
And so that's kind of cool. Um, it's not something I ever expected to do, but I did used to do a lot of stage work, so it, it sort of came fairly naturally to me. Um, so it's changed my, my world in that sense. And, uh, you know, I think basically it's, it's been mostly a very positive thing. Right. And why did you decide to come out? And why didn't you, why didn't you come out like earlier? Well, you know, when you're a freelancer, especially in the digital world, and you're having to audition all the time, and now that now that voiceover has become such a big thing, and everybody wants to be in voiceover, and basically can be, because it's so much easier to have your own um, recording situation now than it was years ago. Uh, there's tons and tons and tons of competition. And I knew that it would go one of two ways. It could go, oh, yeah, let's get her. She's Siri. Or it could go, oh, no, let's not get her. She's Siri. She's, you know, everyone hears that voice every day. And so, um, you know, it took me a really long time to just decide to take the leap of faith and, and faith happens. <laughs> and it certainly has been. So, Right. And, um, I saw your interview on Oprah, for example. No, it was uh, Queen Latifah. I unfortunately I've never met Oprah. Okay, yeah, but I, I think you're. Was it an Oprah show? I think it was an. Or you, you have an interview on YouTube uh, on Oprah's channel. Oh, perhaps so, but I yeah, it was never. It was yeah. like on, on. I think it was on based on, on on a Skype video, but it was on. on oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of, I've done so many. I've kind of lost track. <laughs> Uh, you know, I just took it in stride. I mean, it wasn't, it, it seemed like a, a natural progression. You know, people are, right. you know, Siri is really a game changer in the technology industry. And uh, so it's, it makes perfect sense that people are interested and people are still fascinated. And a lot of people still don't know that there's a real human behind the voice. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of an interesting aspect. Right. And then uh, in the voiceover industry, uh, how has it changed since uh, you started and where do you think it will kind of change in the future? Because obviously this kind of thing wasn't there before as much. And right. So which other channels do you think it will be more applicable? Well, the voiceover industry has absolutely revolutionized since I began because when I began we would do auditions by going to the agent's office and the client would have interaction with the agent and ask them questions the talent would be able to interact with the with the client sometimes and you know and you could sort of be your own advocate now at this point in time everything is done by audition everything and hundreds of people are auditioning for all, nearly everything that is out there and so it's become quite difficult um, there's a different type of marketing that you have to do. You have to be really good at marketing yourself. You know, there's there's no longer an advocate that can really do it for you. Um, agents, there are still some agents that do specialize in voiceover, and you know, I have a particular agent who's more of a manager for me than an agent, um, and he helps me do all kinds of things. Um, but as far as just voiceover goes, so much of it is just done on the, you know, and. Consequently, a lot of it has been devalued, you know, and a lot of the work has gone non-union. And so it's, it's totally, a, a totally, totally different than when I started completely. So, and what was your, how did you react or how quick did you react to the transition of saying, okay, now you have to, you know, be a self-marketer uh, or, you know, to advertise or present yourself online, have websites, which obviously yeah. wasn't there before. How, how did you react to the whole change? 
Well, I really, you know, don't like that aspect of it because I am not a good salesperson or marketer. I'm I'm a much more of an introvert. I'm the kind of person that, you know, give me a task and boom, I'm there on it right away. But as far as trying to promote me myself personally, that's a very hard thing for me to do. Um, you know, I mean, I'm on the web and I've got websites and I've got a million and a half Twitter followers and that kind of thing. Um, and I do it as best I can. But, you know, it's it's a hard thing for a person like myself who, you know, I didn't grow up I didn't grow up with that stuff. And so all of it is like a huge learning curve. <laughs> and so, um, you know, basically I do I do the best I can do considering the personality I have and I and I do depend a lot on my agents. <laughs> But basically, you do pretty well, I think, you know, uh, your whole brand online with the Siri thing kind of works. Maybe you're a, a better marketer, you just don't know it. Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> right. And um, one thing for some listeners who might be in the voiceover industry as much right now, what are the things that you can say they should pay attention on at the moment since the change that you have probably seen or you can sort of anticipate that other people might not know yet? Well, the basics are still important, you know, um, as, you know as far as worrying about social media or prom promotion or something like that. That's a totally different thing from the having the skill. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there's a skill. Basically, doing voiceover is voice acting. And so you really do need to have some sort of basis um, before you start to work. You know, if you, I can have a quirky voice like that, and people say, oh, you really ought to get into voiceover. Well, that's fine, but, you know, you have to be able to have the skill of, reading 30 seconds of copy, reading 60 seconds of copy, reading all kinds of stuff without making a trillion mistakes. And so you have to be a good reader, you have to be able to act, you have to be able to express what, what you know the writer uh, or the client is trying to say. And so there are basic skills that you really need to have and you just can't bypass those just by having some sort of quirky voice and putting yourself out there because when someone's hiring you, they're gonna expect you to have the you know, the ability to do what they need you to do. Right. And um, could you give me a kind of an example of what, because I saw in one of your interviews, it was really good, actually. I think on your TED Talk, you gave an example of what like a bank um, agent would sound like. And I think the other one was... Um, was telling you that you, you have run out of money or something like that and, oh, yeah. and the other person was giving you a different message so it's something there that are I, very lot of different. yeah I never paid attention to that but like since I watched that I was like okay yeah that's actually true well there are a lot of different aspects to voice voice work and there are kind of seem to be two different groups one is the announcers you know the people that really um, have beautiful speaking voices and very articulate and they read the news and they do promos and things like that and then you have the uh, actors who are you know they they can do accents and they can do funny voices and they can do just the guy next door and all these different things that you would find in radio and TV commercials things like that um, sometimes you know there are plenty of people who are able to do both uh, but for the for the most part, those seem to be the two different groups. You know, you're and the, yeah, there are a lot of different aspects. As I said, you know, there are some people career doing nothing but reading messaging, reading narrations, um, things that people, you know, the the general population isn't even aware of. 
um, you know, just goes uh, for people and things like that. There, there's a lot of work that isn't necessarily what what might be termed the bling work. You know, um, getting out there and and uh, doing crazy stuff or being being the voice of some famous toy or something like that. But there are a lot of different aspects of the voiceover business. And most people that think they want to get into it, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, I can do a really crazy voice. It's like, well, good for you. But guess what? 99% of the work <laughs> is not crazy voices. Um, now, certainly, if you want to get into animation, you know, the more crazy voices you have, the better. But um, there are a lot of different aspects to it. And that's why I always recommend to people that they take you know, acting classes, improv classes, anything that's going to help them, you know, um, sharpen their ability to um, to express themselves or express what the client's trying to say with their voices. Right. And what other uh, jobs or projects have you worked on in the last few years? And also, have you ever lied using your voice over the phone? Have I ever lied? Yeah, with your voice over the phone. To not pretend to be a different person. Not intentionally. <laughs> I do some, I do some, you know, read. So I don't know <laughs> if some of the information I've been <laughs> disseminating is actually true. Um, so, no, not intentionally. I've not lied. <clears throat> right. But what other projects have you worked on? Um, most of the projects that I have done uh, in recent years have either been, you know, Siri voices or Siri-like voices. I've had, you know, some cool opportunities being on a Mariah Carey Christmas special, you know, as the Siri voice. And, and I've uh, had some commercials with the Siri voice, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, a mostly... Uh, I'm a pretty good technical reader, and so I end up reading a lot of, you know, narrations and that kind of stuff. As I said, the kind of things that are sort of behind the scenes that you wouldn't, you know, wouldn't hear. Right. But did you always wanted to be a voiceover artist? No, no. I thought I just wanted to be a singer and a musician. I kind of got into it by accident and discovered I loved it. I discovered it was just really fun. And the thing that was most fun, though, that I miss now in the digital age is that we all used to, you know, if you had a, a radio or TV spot that in, involved a lot of different talent, we'd all be in the, in the studio together. And that was so cool because there's really no replacing that spontaneity and the energy that you have working with other people. And so now most of us are just, you know, sitting at home in our jammies and our <laughs> in our own little recording booths, you know, and, and then the engineers put it together at the end. So um, it's, it's very, very different. And uh, I really loved the, the old aspect of, of having, you know, the, the talent together, working together. Uh, and going to the economic part of it, uh, which which days do uh, are they uh, are more uh, profitable like previously in the previous years or now? Oh, yeah, there's no question. Uh, previous years, uh, because, you know, it used to be that everything was went through the union. And you got paid very well and you got paid residuals. You know, if they, they would buy your commercial for four weeks or 13 weeks and you would get paid for that. Then if they bought it again, you'd get paid again. Um, and so all of that is kind of going away. Uh, so much has become non-union. Everybody just wants to do a buyout. And so I guess it kind of depends on your own individual savvy as to how, how well you get paid. Uh, you're, you're competing against people that work on websites like Fiverr. And they're, you know, they're willing to work for next to nothing. And, and that really just, you know, really is 
does not help the in, the industry. Um, and so that, you know, but on the other hand, you can say, well, it used to be this way. And boy, that was really great. And that's, that was good. It should be like that. Okay. Maybe that's true, but that's not the way it is now. And so what you have to do is adapt and you have to accept the way the business is now and figure out a way, a way to make it work for you. You know, so it's, the onus is on the talent. The onus is on the individual person to, to do their thing and get it out there. Right. And then, you know, for, for the average person, it seems like it's harder for us to kind of tell the professional, I think, consciously tell the professional uh, voice voiceover to like, like somebody who just did it over Fiverr or something. But what are the technical aspects or differences that actually differentiate the two? Well, I think it is possible for some people who are basically amateurs to actually get work. Um, you know, if they're, they have good instincts and they have good timing, if they read well, just naturally, um, and they can, you know, embrace a character and express a character. A lot of people can do that just instinctively. And so it's not to say that, you know, there aren't people out there that could just jump into a commercial and and be, Hey, I can be the guy next door, you know, uh, or whatever. And, um, but, you know, the, the type of work that, that is consistent requires you to be able to read well and to be able to read well without making a lot of mistakes, you know, because, you know, if it takes you a bunch of time, time is money for these, for, you know, clients. And so, you know, you get into the technical things, like you're not going to get the guy that, you know, the, the amateur is not going to be able to go in and read like, you know, a, a technical medical, you know, a treatise. <laughs> They're just not. And so, you know, it, it requires, it requires skills. And for me, you know, the more skills, the better, you know, the more, you know, and the more, the better you are, the more you can, the more diversified you can be, uh, the better chance you have of getting work. So. Right. And looking in the future, like what do you see yourself doing and what kind of projects and I mean, what do you think? Uh, I mean, you do, you're doing speaking engagements these days as well. Yes. But, but what, what do you look at doing in the next, say, 10 years or so? Uh, well, that's really hard to say. Um, I've been very fortunate to make a living doing what I love. Uh, just, you know, playing music, singing, doing voice work, speaker events. And I would just like to keep doing more of that as, as long as I possibly can. I don't have any particular project in mind. Um, I've always wanted to be a cartoon voice, but um, that's that's a difficult thing. There's a, there's a fa- fabulous, fabulous group of uh, wonderful voices in Los Angeles that have a lot of that work tied up already. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of different projects that are going on, individual products in, in individual cities where, where you can, you know, explore that type of thing for any person who wants to get into that kind of thing. You know, I think you just have to be really savvy and stay on the, you know, look on the, on the web and, and find things for yourself to do. And uh, for me personally, I just, I just love every aspect of what I'm doing. I, I would like to do more of it, though. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a type A, and I, you know, I, 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 I really like to work. So. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone's listening to this, you know, Siri's looking for work. So, you know, call me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And lastly, on the TED Talk, you talked about something along the lines of do what you fear the most. Could you just explain a little more about that? Well, I think that generally 
course, depending on our individual personalities and how we were raised. I think a lot of times, you know, we look at other people and go, oh, I could never do that. Or, oh, gee, I'm not good enough to try that. Or, oh, I'm not pretty enough for that. Or I'm not, you know, you know, macho man enough for that or whatever. Um, and I think that, that we really have to try to sidestep those, those negative thoughts that we to have and, and face the fear of not being as good. You know, it's like, well, I might, I might not be the same as that person, but I'm me and I have my own thing, you know? So, uh, facing fear in that sense, um, it's what I was talking about is just, you know, trying to get past those little demons that we have in our heads going, <laughs> Oh, you can never do that. You know? So that's what I was talking about. Facing fear is just kind of, you know, facing it in the sense of just try to try to walk around it, not think about it, jump over it or whatever. <laughs> just get rid of it somehow. And, and just if there's something you really want to do, just figure out a way to do it, you know. Right. OK, thanks, uh, Susan, for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, um, you're most welcome. Right. And just say goodbye to the listeners. Siri voice, maybe. Okay. Thank you for spending time with me today, people. Bye. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks, Susan. Have a nice evening. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Pew. Hey, guys. And this is Gray again. If you thought this was cool, remember to subscribe the, to the podcast to listen to a lot more anytime that I post a new one. So you can do this many ways uh, either you can subscribe on itunes which is the main platform uh, or you can do it on stitcher radio or tune in or soundcloud all over the place we also have a facebook page called tga podcast tga for the gray Ave podcast and with that i'll leave you to it uh, enjoy the next upcoming podcast basically what i do i find people that are doing cool stuff out there and you know we try to have a conversation with them and we learn through their stories, their failures, their successes and stuff like that. And hopefully you are unicorning out there and we'll have you on the podcast one day. Also, you can email me directly from my website, which is greyjabesi.com, greyjabesi.com. And you can tell me what subjects you think I should cover or who do you think I should have on the podcast. It doesn't matter whether they are in in the UK, in the United States, in South Africa, in Ghana, wherever they are, in Sweden, in China, it doesn't matter. We have the whole world on this podcast on the same place. So we worldwide, we find the cool people, we have cool conversations, and we learn. So if you like learning, this is the podcast for you. Stay awesome and stay unicorning. I'll see you on the next one.